Welcome. You're listening to Faith vs. Weight with Maria Bauer. Maria is a former U.S. Navy Health Information Systems Officer, current health and wellness coach, and author of the book, Faith vs. Weight, reminding you that you already have victory in Christ. Now, here's your host, Maria Bauer. Hello and welcome. Thank you for listening. For those of you recently joining the Faith vs. Weight podcast, there are three seasons, each with a distinct emphasis. For a Christian weight management program that actually works, check out Season 1, Episodes 1-10, through 10, based on the book Faith vs. Weight, Magnifying the Glory of God, and Season 2, Episodes 13-63, through 63, based on the accompanying action guide, Faith vs. Weight, Daily Strength to Shine. You are now listening to Season 3, Episodes 64 and Beyond, focusing specifically on the faith aspect of the Faith vs. Weight program. Season 3 can be used as a spiritual maintenance plan as you grow through the Word of God or in tandem with the weight management program covered in Seasons 1 and 2. Season 3 is based on the chronological 5-day Bible plan, BibleClassMaterial.com, covering the entire Bible in just one year, because faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God, Romans 10, 17. Welcome to Season 3. Today is Week 3, Day 2, covering Genesis 30-31, Psalm 11, and Mark 12, because God sees. Genesis 30 starts off with Rachel envying Leah and threatening Jacob that she will die if he does not give her any children, to which Jacob gets angry and reminds her that he is not God. So she decides to have her female servant Bilhal sleep with him. Bilhal gives birth to two boys. Rachel names the fifth son of Jacob, Dan, and the sixth is named Naphtali. After Leah realizes she is barren after the birth of Judah, she too gets in on the act and has her servant, Zilpah, sleep with Jacob, who bears two more boys. Leah names the seventh and eighth boys of Jacob, Gad and Asher. Then one day, Reuben, the firstborn of Leah, found mandrakes and brought them to his mother. Since Rachel was still barren, she begs Leah for the mandrakes, since they were believed to help with fertility. Leah tells Rachel that she basically stole her husband and that she is not about to give her the mandrakes. So Rachel tells Leah that she can sleep with Jacob in exchange for the mandrakes. When Jacob came in from the fields that day, Leah met him and told him that she traded her mandrakes for a night with him. Her barrenness must have lifted since she bore Jacob another two sons and named them Issachar and Zebulun, the ninth and tenth for Jacob. Then she had a daughter called Dinah. After all of that, it was finally time for Rachel. She had her first child, Jacob's eleventh male child, and called him Joseph. Because God sees... At this point, Jacob was ready to strike it out on his own after 14 years in Laban's service. So he told Laban to send him away so that he could go home. He asked Laban to give him his wives and his children, since Laban knows that he has completed his service. Laban brings up the fact that he has been favored by God just by having Jacob around and tries to talk him out of leaving, asking him what might entice him to stay. He basically tells Jacob to name his price. Jacob doesn't want money. He proposes to continue to tend to Laban's flocks, offering only to keep the spotted and speckled sheep and goats as his future wages. Laban immediately agrees and then decides to take all of the spotted and speckled sheep and goats and gives them to his own sons, making sure the flocks are separated by at least three days, leaving Jacob with nothing except Laban's own sheep to tend to. 
Now, here is where things get interesting. The Bible does not say how, why, or who told Jacob to do this, but it worked. Jacob took rods of fresh poplar, almond, plane tree, and peeled white streaks in them. The flocks conceived before these rods brought forth speckled, streaked, and spotted sheep and goats. Jacob only put the rods out in front of the stronger flocks so that they would conceive. Jacob's strong flocks continued to flourish while he obtained more male and female servants, camels, and donkeys. Laban was left with the weaker flocks. In Genesis 31, Jacob hears Laban's sons are complaining, saying that Jacob has taken everything from their father. On top of that, Jacob could tell that he was out of favor with Laban by the look on his face. In the meantime, the only thing that really mattered occurred. The Lord said to Jacob, it's time to return to the land of your fathers, and I will be with you. So Jacob tells Rachel and Leah two important things. Your father Laban no longer looks at me the same way, but the God of my father is still with me. Then Jacob goes on to tell them he has served Rachel and Leah's father with all of his strength, but that Laban has deceived him and changed his wages 10 times. But every time Laban changed the rules of the game, God did not allow him to hurt Jacob because God sees. If Laban said to Jacob, speckled will be your wages, the flocks bore speckled. Then if Laban said streaked, the flocks bore streaked. In the process, God took away Laban's livestock. It wasn't Jacob who took the livestock away. It was God. An angel of God even came to Jacob in a dream, showing him only speckled, streaked, and spotted flock, telling Jacob, I have seen all that Laban has done to you. Jacob also told them that he was told by the angel of God that it was time for him to return home because God sees. At this point, both Leah and Rachel also felt deceived by their father since there was no inheritance left for them. So Rachel decides to take things into her own hands and steals Laban's gods right before they leave without even telling Laban that they were going. Three days later, Laban was told that Jacob and family were gone. Laban went after them, and after seven days, he overtook them at the mountain of Gilead. In the meantime, God came to Laban in a dream and told Laban not to speak good or bad to Jacob, because God sees. When Laban caught up to Jacob, he asked him why he left taking everyone away as if they were captives, and that the only reason he was not hurting Jacob was because the God of Jacob's father told Laban not to speak good or bad. Laban knew Jacob wanted to go back to his father's house, but he did not understand why Jacob stole Laban's gods. Jacob told Laban that he did not tell him that they were leaving because he was afraid that Laban would take Leah and Rachel by force, but that anyone who stole Laban's gods should most certainly die. Of course, Jacob had no idea that Rachel had actually stolen Laban's gods. After an extensive search, Laban could not find the gods because, well, Rachel was basically sitting on them. Since the search turned up empty, Jacob was angry at Laban, asking him why he had hotly pursued him. Jacob goes on to say how he had served Laban for 20 years with complete honesty, bearing all losses in extreme weather with no sleep, a total of 14 years for his daughters and six years for his flocks, while Laban changed his wages 10 times. They eventually made a covenant after further discussion, promising that neither one of them would pass over a certain heap and pillar, basically drawing a line in the sand. At this point, Jacob offered a sacrifice to God and they ate bread 
and Laban left peaceably the next morning. In Psalm 11, David talks about how he takes refuge in the Lord. Not only are the wicked aiming arrows, but we also have the fickleness of man. Yet the Lord in his holy temple on his throne in heaven observes and examines the children of men. Because God sees. He loves righteousness and abhors the wicked. In Mark 12, we are continually reminded of how God sees by Jesus. He starts off with a parable of a man planting a vineyard, building a hedge and digging a pit for wine press. Then the man rents it out to a farmer. When it was time, he sent a servant to get his share of the fruit. Instead of giving the servant his owner's share, they beat the servant and send him away empty. A second servant comes and is wounded, with the third being killed. This continued with some being beat and others killed. Finally, the owner sent his son, thinking, surely they will respect him. Instead, they figured if we kill him, we will get his inheritance. So that is exactly what they did. So what does the Lord of the vineyard do? He comes and kills the farmers and gives the vineyard to someone else. Then Jesus goes on to say, haven't you even read this scripture? The stone which the builders rejected was made the cornerstone. This was from the Lord, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Mark 12, 10, and 11. At this point, the chief priests, scribes, and elders are starting to get the gist that Jesus is talking about them. Instead of seizing him like they wanted, they sent the Pharisees and one of the Herodians to try and trap Jesus with his own words. They start out with flattery, telling Jesus they know how honest he is and that he's not partial to anyone. So then they ask him if it's actually lawful to pay taxes to Caesar. Knowing, once again, that they were trying to set him up, Jesus asks for a denarius. At that point, he asks, whose image and inscription are on this coin? They say, Caesar's. To which he replies, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God. Mark 12, 17. And on it went. Then the Sadducees came, who did not believe in the resurrection, asking, if a man's brother dies, and the brother takes her as his wife, and then he dies, after a total of seven different brothers marry her, and they all die, and then she dies, who will she be with in heaven? To which Jesus tells them, they do not know scripture or the power of God, because those who rise from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. Also telling them that God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the living, not the God of the dead. The dead are raised. And the questions just kept on coming. This time they asked him, which commandment is the greatest of all? To which Jesus replied, the first is, hear, O Israel, the Lord, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Mark twelve twenty nine through 31. Jesus then asks them a question. How do the scribes think the Messiah is the son of David when even David says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies the footstool of your feet. David himself calls him Lord. So how can he be his son? Mark 12, 36 through 37. Because of false teachings of the scribes, among many other reasons, Jesus warns the people to watch out for them. The scribes look the part, 
walking in long robes, and getting the best seats. But they devour widows' houses, while at the same time trying to look good, praying long prayers. Because God sees, the scribes will receive even greater condemnation. Finally, he sits down in the church treasury, seeing the rich people throwing in lots of money. Then a poor widow comes up. She only has two brass coins, barely worth anything. He calls his disciples to himself and says to them, Truly, I tell you, this poor widow gave more than all those who are giving into the treasury, for they all gave out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, gave all that she had to live on. Mark 12, 43-44 Today's reflection because God sees today's action every time you feel as if no one sees the bad that happens against you or those you love or the good that you do in the name of the Lord. Remember that it doesn't matter who does or does not see it. The only thing that matters is that God sees. Daily Devo is just a snapshot intended to get you excited about the rest of the greatest story ever told. Check out Genesis 30-31, Psalm 11, and Mark 12. Just 15-30 to 30 minutes a day of Bible listening on one of your favorite Bible apps while you are driving, working out, doing the dishes, or folding laundry five days a week will allow you to cover the entire Bible in one year as God's promises cover you in the process. For a Christian-based weight management program that actually works, check out Season 1, Episodes 1 through 10, and Season 2, Episodes 13 through 63 of this podcast. For the print versions, check out the book, Faith vs. Weight, Magnifying the Glory of God, and Action Guide, Faith vs. Weight, Daily Strength to Shine. Thank you for listening to Faith vs. Weight, reminding you that you already have victory in Christ. Consult your physician before starting any weight loss or exercise program.